listening to the Soil Talk podcast. I am your host, Tim Mundorf, Nutrient Management Lead with Central Valley Ag. In Soil Talk, we will dive into managing soil fertility and applied nutrients while pursuing top yield. So, Aaron, uh, impressive-looking yields on our innovation plots this year. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we had one site at Polk that did 318 bushel this year. And really excited about what that brought. And, you know, I think the important thing to recognize there was that that wasn't just a, all of a sudden it's going to hit that. I mean, that was a build of several years, knowing that the fertility wasn't quite where we wanted it to be and the attention was spent on it. And last year was when we started to see the rewards for the first time. Yeah, it was really impressive. So I'm Tim Mundorf, Director of Soil Management. With me today, I'm working with Aaron Sindelar, our Sustainability Lead. On today's Soil Talk broadcast, we're going to talk about raising high-yield crops. You know, we had some really impressive results in both our Polk Innovation site and our Norfolk Innovation site. And we're going to talk about just our innovation plots in general, you know, the different things that we're working on to help uh, growers work, maybe some new products in their system to chase higher yield goals, all of that. So, you know, Aaron, as we talk about that 318 bushel of corn, that wasn't just a, you know, one-year result or, or an accomplishment from one year of trying some magic bean or magic product. It's a systems yep. approach. So Absolutely. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, what, what so, do you think about? So when I'm trying to hit 300 bushel corn, you know, I, I kind of draw the triangle. You know, and so in each corner of that triangle, the top one is going to be the fertility. You know, we have to have that, that foundation built and be ready to go before we can even think about hitting those top end yields. When we've got that established, then we start looking at the other things. You know, we move on to the agronomy part where, you know, really knowing your your product selection, you know, making sure you're selecting the right hybrid, you've got the traits, the right seed treatments. You really understand what that field needs. Um, you know, I kind of like to use the term, know your enemy. Know what's your pests and diseases that are out there, your weeds that you have to deal with. Knowing what you have to combat and building a plan for it is the best way to answer that. And then the third thing really kind of, which I've already talked about a little bit, is that crop protection part. You know, the addressing the diseases, the insects, the weeds, everything. You hit on all three of those, you have, you're successful. That's when you can really unlock that top yield potential. Yeah, and like you're talking about, you know, seed and crop protection are so interrelated now that we've got all these traits out there that help us with it and understanding, you know, how your hybrid and its traits fit into what you're doing the crop protection is pretty important. I'll go back to the fertility side. You know, that's kind of what I've made mm-hmm. my career off of, and obviously it's a Soil Talk broadcast. So I was here when we originally took over that uh, Polk plot about three years ago, and uh, Mick Godekin was our, was our innovation agronomist at the time. And... We went and soil tested that, and we we knew it was good-looking ground. I mean, flat ground, irrigated, good-looking ground. looked like it really could produce, but it had been mined some. We saw phosphorus values around the, you know, the 15 part per million range, far under where we wanted it to be. We really highlighted some flagship products for Central Valley Ag. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've had a long relationship with Mosaic. We've uh, worked a lot with their Micro Essentials SZ product. And we really poured it to it. I mean, Mick's first year, I think we came in there. Now, of course, on our dry fertility plots, we would leave those untreated because we can't have, you know, 400 pounds of microessentials SZ just overwhelming the plot. But on everything else, it was 400 pounds of microessentials SZ. And that was year one. We come back year two, another 350 pounds of microessentials SZ. You know, kind of poured the coals to it. Um, and really, we saw that pay off. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't get... 
318 bushel of corn generally without putting the coals to it a little bit. You know, we already had pretty good potassium levels, which is common in Nebraska soils. Um, highlight begin. I mean, we've used begin yep. in our uh, infro products for, for quite a few years now, and we like that product. High in ortho brings a combination of nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and a little bit of zinc in there. Very seed safe, low salt, so able to get some fertility to that crop right away a split application nitrogen program you know and as yep. i talk to a grower about their program as we try to push these high yields you know nitrogen if you don't have your nitrogen right you're going to have problems and yep. that's what we did here i mean we put down a small base and and uh, you know mick and alex did a good job of split applying we put down a base of about 70 pounds of nitrogen we protect that that just gets laid over the top behind the planter we make sure we protect that for volatilization so we get all of that nitrogen you know, we've got some flagship products there too. You know, our CVA uh, Protect UAN, our CVA Protect Urea. Now, in this case, we were all UAN, so we're using that Protect UAN on the buying the planter product that's just going over the top. We're coming back with Y drops uh, around mid June, and then we're putting on whatever Adapt Ends telling us. So yep. we're bringing technology into it. You know, the planter set up full blown precision uh, planting products. We're using Downforce. We're using uh, variable mm -hmm. seed depth. We're using variable pressure on our closing wheels. Um, we've got, again, two different uh, fertility programs going out with the planter, one in furrow, and then we're doing that UAN uh, coming back off the top, off the side. So it's an in-depth yeah. program on the fertility side. You know, one thing that we didn't have to address at, our, at, the, at the Polk Innovation site, but it's absolutely something you have to look at before you even start planning the next steps is really addressing your soil pH. Yes. You know, if you've got a situation where you have a, a pH of 5.4, that has to get addressed before we even start talking about the fertility aspects. And there's just so many reasons for that. You know, obviously, um, you know, our nutrient availability is affected by pH. You know, typically the lower the pH drops, depending on your nutrient, but the lower that pH is, the less available it's going to become. Um, as well as, you know, when we look at, say, nitrogen or just any nutrient mineralization that's released from organic matter, the, uh, the bacteria, microbes, whatever it's in the soil that is responsible for making the, that make those available, they've got an optimum pH that they want to operate at. So we can talk about, you know, all, you know, the magic recipe for fertility. We need to address P or K or whatever it might be, but we've got to address the pH first. Fortunately, in this situation, we had good pH levels. We didn't have to. But if you're in one of those areas where maybe you're taking over a piece of ground that has been mined, um, hasn't hasn't had pH corrected to it, something to absolutely take a look at first and foremost. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, you mentioned that availability of those applied nutrients, but like you just said, that mineralization of soil organic matter and the optimization of soil microbial life, take advantage of what Mother mm -hmm. Nature wants to give you. And if you don't have your pH right, you can't do that. So absolutely. absolutely. As you look into those other fertility yep. things, you know, we're, we're gonna cover all of our bases. And that's something that we did here. We covered nitrogen, we, we covered pH, we covered phosphorus. Potassium levels were already good, but we did add a little potassium, especially with that begin fertilizer. Sulfur, had a good sulfur program out there. I wanna say besides, you know, what we had in the Micro Essentials SZ, we're at also adding ammonium thiosol. Yep. We're getting about 30 pounds of uh, 
sulfur through that thiosol that we were adding. Coming back, we had zinc in the begin. We also had zinc in the Microessentials SZ. We tried some different zinc add-on products as well. And then a lot of our uh, foliar fertilizers or some of our dry fertilizers, we're looking at those other micronutrients like boron and manganese. Um, but an yep. all-encompassing fertility program. And again, a grower's got to start that ball rolling long before they start shooting mm -hmm. for 300-plus bushel yield. But we had done that. It frankly all came together with great growing conditions this year. I don't want to take away from, you know, Mother Nature gave us a great plane field Abs this year. Absolutely. You know, you brought up sulfur, and that's something that I'm a big advocate of putting some sulfur in with a starter. You know, you think about it, we are continuing to see our sulfur levels in our soils drop. And what's that related to, Tim? Yeah. It's, you know, since we've cleaned up all of our emissions from all the things we're doing, yeah, we've got less sulfur in the atmosphere. And, you know, and, and when you look at the sulfur cycle in soil, it's kind of like nitrogen. And, and when you have cool soils, not a lot of activity going, that's when we can start to see some of those early season sulfur deficiencies. So, you know, when you're, tr when you're trying to chase 300 bushel yield, you know, those are the kind of situations where you're going with as long of a, or as full season of a corn as you can. You're planting it early, you know, seeing that early season deficiencies of sulfur or phosphorus. That's pretty common. So, so that's why I like putting some sulfur in early on is because we do see, so many times we see a response from that on, on early corn. So Aaron, you know, you bring up a good point there. Um, we're putting multiple applications of True. sulfur out there. I mean, right. I, I love the fact that Microessentials SD's got a good shot of sulfur up front there, and we've had that you know the last few years. And if we don't have it in the MESC, we're going to add some sulfur in there in that dry program. But we're also bringing in you know sulfur as we come back to that second shot of nitrogen. And really, sulfur and nitrogen are almost like twins. You kind of like to put those two together. Now you mentioned a little sulfur in the starter. I always tell growers, hey, be careful with that one. Form makes a big difference. No thiosol in furrow. If you're two by two, fine. But if you're going in furrow, keep thiosol the heck out of it. Absolutely. So on our polk site, you know, we, we talked about how we raised 318 bushel corn. We did 318 bushel corn on that site with only 230 pounds of nitrogen. I know that's impressive, isn't it? So you know, really, what we did within our our trials this year was 70 pounds up front. And then we use that tool called ADAPT-N to kind of guide us and tell us how much more do we need to finish out the season. And what ADAPT-N does is it kind of takes into account what the growing season has been thus far and then makes a prediction of what we're going to need to finish out the rest of that season. So with that program, it told us we needed another 160 pounds of nitrogen on it to be able to take, carry it the rest of the year, which gave us that 230 pounds. So when we do the math on that, that is a nitrogen use efficiency index of 0.72. My rule of thumb is that if that one-to-one -one is kind of a happy place. When, when I'm at that or below that, I consider it a good day. For us to be able to reach that 0.72 number uh, was just really outstanding. And really, a, a huge credit of it was to using ADAPT-N and guiding us the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah, that brings up a, a whole nother thing. You know, as we talk about nitrogen and nitrogen use efficiency, I'm with you. I tell growers, look, about a pound of nitrogen for every bushel of corn you're trying to raise. Corn on beans little bit less. Corn on corn, a little bit more. Makes a little difference where you're located at. You know, sometimes if you're getting a lot more rainfall, might want to push a little bit harder. Seems like Kansas, they need to push a little bit harder, even though it's drier down there. 
But overall, pound of nitrogen per bushel. But in all honesty, if we're efficient with it, and we mm -hmm. split apply and we use things like inhibitors to keep from losing it to volatilization, keep from losing it to denitrification or leaching, we can do a lot better than that. Yeah. So Tim, I think another thing that we need to talk about is not only how we improved our nitrogen use efficiency with using ADAPT-N, but also I think placement plays a lot into this too. Within the trials, we're using Y drops for our side dressing. And really that gives us more of an advantage to improve that NUE than just going out and spreading a bunch of urea with a spinner. And, and we're able to put that, that fertilizer close to the plant. We're not just doing a broadcasting, leaving it in places where it can get tied up by residue and then made unavailable. You know, we've also run into a lot of issues, Aaron, with some of the, our natural resource districts around us, some of our drainage districts. You know, I got that Iowa nutrient reduction strategy. Everybody's talking about how we need to lower overall nitrogen application rates, um, lower the amount of nitrogen we're applying at any one time. And in all honesty, the, this year's results kind of highlight that, right? I mean, we're split applying and we're split applying yeah. 70 and 160. Well, in all honesty, since we've got a pivot there, it would have been even better, smarter, to split apply a, you know, a 70, an 80, and another 80 going through the pivot. We can raise really high yielding corn with a fairly low application nitrogen up front. You know, I'd had this discussion with Mick in the past. I was always a fan of, you know, 100 or 120 pounds up front. Mick really liked that 70 up front. And you know what? Mm -hmm. This year's results really prove that we could make make good corn with that. You know, I think that's a great point because, you know, in the past years, if somebody was trying to hit 325 bushel corn, they're doing it by throwing 400 pounds of nitrogen out there. Um, for us to be able to do it on 230 pounds really shows that you can still be smart in a little bit um, and, and, and be a little bit conservative with your nitrogen. But if you're using the right tools and products and technologies to get you there, you can still hit 318 bushel uh, by just, again, being smart about it and not going and throwing 400 pounds out there. You know, you talked about it from the standpoint of the conservation districts. I just look at it from the economic side. Uh, these are low-cost tools or products that we can put in that protect your investment when you're putting that nitrogen on the field. So, you know, we talk about nitrogen in the four R's. We, you know, we're using a product UAN. We've got placement. We're using both a dribble behind the planter and, and a wide drop for placement to make sure we're kind of concentrating that band a little bit and we're protecting at the same time. We've got timing. We've got some right at planting and we've got a good amount coming down just before that corn plant's gonna take off. You know, we're putting that, that wide drop down at about V6, V7. V8 through tassel, there's a tremendous amount of nitrogen uptake. We're matching that really well. And we're really bringing those four R's together. The right product, the right place, the right time, and the right rate. You know, like you said, a lot of guys one to one. Okay, well that means you need 320 pounds of nitrogen. No, you do not. We're making this work with 230 pounds of nitrogen by making sure we're efficient and getting it into the crop. Yeah, I think last last thing on the nitrogen side is really knowing what your status is. You know, so many people, they just, I'm going to go put out 50 pounds because I just am. Um, having a program like ADAPT-N can help guide you and say, do you need that additional, you know, fertigation pass? Or can you skip it? Is your status good? Um, that's where it really comes into being able to use those kind of tools is telling you where are you at um, and do you need a little bit more to be able to finish you out the rest of the year. So, you know, Tim, we've really been talking a lot about the base fertility. You know, we talked about how Polk did 318 bushels, but that's the location average. 
we had some products that went above that. You know, we had some 323, 325 bushel per, per acre type of responses with some products. What came out of those trials this year that you really like and would maybe think about putting on, you know, kind of adding on to the additional base fertility to really push it that extra extra little bit? It goes back to that systems approach. You know, we spent a lot of time here talking about nitrogen, but if we didn't have all the other things in place, the other nutrients, you know, the the right hybrid, the good crop protection, and not a lot of weed or, or disease issues, um, that all work together. Specific products on the dry fertility side, we've always seen great response to our Micro Essentials SC. Now that was not the top product in 2021. As we work through our dry fertility trials, and, and in our dry fertility trials, we always balance everything out. So it's never just one product. We're balancing out 31 pounds of nitrogen, 31 pounds of phosphorus, and this year, something different, we balanced everything for 17 pounds of sulfur. In previous years, we've let the sulfur kind of ride on whatever the product is. With that balance, the products from calcium products, the SO4, mainly a sulfur product, but again, we're adding urea and we're adding MAP in there to get the P and the nitrogen. Nature Safe, that's a darling product. It's brand new this year. The Nature Safe 961, it's a rendered byproduct. For the past couple years, if growers have been following us, we were using a product called Terra New from Midwestern Bioag. Unfortunately, that product's not available to us anymore. So we decided, well, what's a similar product? And again, we're looking for something with some biology, some carbon in it, and that's where this micro or this uh, Nature Safe 961 came into place. Another thing we did was Sistera from Verdesian. It did really well. And I'm sorry, Sistera from Mosaic, and it did really well. From Verdesian, we did a product called MicroSync Pro, and it brought in some other micronutrients. So those were kind of the big winners, the SO4, the NatureSafe 961, of course the Mez and the Sistera from Mosaic, but then also the MicroSync Pro from Verdesian. So you've been talking a lot about the you know dry fertility type of products. We also kind of tested some new different thing, new things this year where we looked at some Inferro products. We also looked at some foliar products. Is there anything there that kind of kind of you thought might bring some additional value to? You know, like you and I have talked about in the past, Aaron, this whole rhizosphere around the root system and the ability to help the plant bring in nutrients. You know, the, we always talk about roots and root mass, and boy, will this thing grow bigger roots because of something that we added to it, and that is important. But we're understanding more and more about how those roots interact with the microbial life in the soil, whether that's mycorrhizal fungi, whether it's bacteria, whatever that is. So we brought in some products that are supposed to work hand in hand with our root system. Uh, the plant health promoter from CVA that we've used for the last four or five years, and frankly, we don't test it on its own anymore. Now we're stacking it with other products, but that is a seaweed or kelp-based product that is supposed to kind of mitigate stress for that plant. We're playing that infro. We also have done some foliar with it. That, that CVA PHP plant health promoter, that's a big one for us. And then two other products we used this year that we stacked with PHP, Endoprime from Valent, and that's a mycorrhizal fungi product, and then Takeoff from Verdesian, and that's a product that's supposed to help the plant assimilate nitrogen. And again, as we try to work with nature to get these nutrients into the plant and to limit our negative impact on nature, we need to work with more of these products. You know, that's the challenge we face today is that, especially in this biologicals or biostimulants, you know, there's just dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds of products that are coming out and really trying to understand what works, what doesn't. And that's really where our innovation plots come in. You know, we're trying to test these products, understand, do they bring value? 
Do they bring value to, to an operation? As well as, you know, we've been spending a lot of time talking about 318 bushel corn at Polk. But, you know, we've got several sites across our region um, where we do these innovation trials. And, you know, we're everything from 160 bushel dry land all the way up to this 300 plus bushel irrigated. So we really want to try to understand not only do, do these products work or not work, as well as how, how well do they work across these different yield levels that we can test in. Yeah. And then, you know, besides the infras, we also do some foliars. So on the foliar side, again, we highlight that CVA PHP. It's, again, a a seaweed kelp-based product. Seems to help alleviate stress on that plant. But we combine that with some humic acids, and then we also combine that with our symbol-release foliar fertilizer, which is kind of a blend of micronutrients. Again, all these different things that we're testing... For years, the industry's talked about them being snake oils. You know, the universities say, you know, be careful of who comes around peddling this crap. But it seems like that's part of our role here at Central Valley Ag is to try those things and see what works on our plots, talk to our growers about it, and then let the growers decide what they want to try to work within their system. Again, these are not replacements for good fertility, not replacements for a good nitrogen program, not replacements for good hybrid selection or crop protection. They are a supplement to work in your system. As you think about all these different things that we're looking at, one thing I would encourage growers to do, we make this public. So this information right now, it's in a flipping book. If you go see a Central Valley Ag field sales agronomist, they can get you the information. That's probably the best way to do it so you can talk about what might be a better fit for your ground, the way you're farming, uh, you know, what your yield expectations are. But we'll also have it on our website. You can just go look it up at cvacoop.com, and we will have it sitting there um, under agronomy. So, you know, obviously really getting that baseline fertility set as well as kind of identifying those additional type of fertility products to help push you over are really critical here. Any other parting thoughts on on the fertility side of trying to raise 320 bushel corn? There really is. There's a key thing that we really haven't mentioned at all, and it's probably one of the most important. And in all my years of working with High yield crop, different growers, different years, um, different systems, and national corn grower contest, you know, uh, top yielding plots. There's one key thing we haven't talked about, and we're really negligent by not giving it its due. Luck. It was a darn good year around that Norfolk area and around that Polk area. We had some fantastic yields from a lot of our different growers. Never take full credit. It takes some luck and the good Lord providing the the sunlight, the rain, the heat that we need. You set the stage with all the things we've talked about today, but you also need a good roll of the dice to come up for you that uh, things just work out. You're right on that, but I'm going to push back on you a little bit because when you set the foundation with a good fertility program, you're, you're helping yourself with that luck a little bit because that's what helps build a resilient plant. When, when it's fed well, it's got a lot of fertility to be able to fall back on, then it can kind of help push through those hard times a little bit. Now, again, there's different things that kind of factor into that. You know, you got to have the right hybrid or something like that that we'll talk about. Um, but this helps you not only on the high end, but also when you have kind of those leaner times. When you've got a plant that isn't fighting, that it can solely focus on fighting or, or dealing with focusing on a drought stress instead of trying to deal with a drought stress and a fertility stress, 
that 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 makes it a lot easier on the plant when it can just focus on one type of stress. No, you're absolutely right. And we saw that in our Cuba, Kansas plot this year. I mean, we're talking a lot about Polk and 318 bushel corn. Well, Cuba, Kansas was 166 bushel corn, and some guys would say, oh, what a disaster. Well, it was a tough year down there. It's a rain-fed environment. They didn't have a lot of rain. Guys down there would have been very happy with 166 bushel corn, and we saw a response to the products that were trialing down a- there. Absolutely. You know, we saw some pretty big responses there where our checks that didn't receive, you know, anything beyond just the base fertility, you know, we saw, those were 150 bushel type of type of uh, yields instead of the 165. Heck, we even saw some 180 bushel type of yields at at um, at that site as well. So. So yeah, like I said, it's 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 all about the top end, but also having that baseline fertility helps you on the bottom end too. Let's circle back a little bit on the hybrid selection, yeah. planting, that sort of thing there. And what, what do you talk to a grower about as as a grower's trying to really raise high yielding corn? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about hybrids, you know, and and again, it's kind of a lot along those same lines. We're talking about all these different products with the microbials and so on. You know, there are a lot of different hybrids that grower can select. You know, it's, it's a lot different than it was 30 years ago where you had, a, you had two or three choices. You know, today it seems like every seed company's got 10, 12, 14 choices. Then on top of that, you throw in the different traits you can select. Um, I think that's where you really got to work closely with your field sales agronomist. It's because understanding what do you want to achieve with that hybrid. You know, obviously in a situation like this, when we're trying to hit 300 plus bushel, we're looking for that racehorse type of a hybrid. Now, just because it's a racehorse doesn't mean the questions stop at that. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, you know, number one, you need to know what are the strengths of that hybrid? What are the weaknesses? Um, does that hybrid respond to population? Is it, do I need to push this hybrid? Does that hybrid respond to late season nitrogen application? Huge variation between hybrids. Typically, this isn't, this isn't set in stone, but typically my rule of thumb is that when I see a hybrid that's a little bit more of a flexier, typically you see that being a higher response to a, to a nitrogen application. Um, when I said you need to know the weaknesses, you know, does that hybrid have late season standability issues? Uh, I think when you are going for high yield, you got you to gotta be early on everything. You've got to be early on planting it. You've got to be willing to take that hybrid out when it's a couple points wetter than what you typically want to do as well. So again, a lot of different questions. You really have to know what that hybrid is inside and out to be able to manage it properly. We haven't mentioned fungicide application, mm-hmm. but the, the one thing you want to ask yourself about fungicide application is when do I want to apply it? Because it's not if, it's you're going to. Yeah, absolutely. In a high yield situation, um, you know, and that's another thing where these seed companies have hybrids characterized so much that they know which ones respond very well to to nitrogen or population as well as fungicide. Uh, typically, I'm one where in a high yield situation, I like two shots of fungicide. I like to go in with a single mode of action like a strobel urine if I can um, to get those plant health benefits of, of that fungicide. You know, typically that V6 to V8 time frame. Then I go in, like to go in post-tassel with my multiple mode of action type of a fungicide to be able to kind of clean up whatever disease I have there. Uh, you know, when it comes to a fungicide, again, might vary product to product, but really three weeks is about what you're going to get out of it. Right. And you're really trying to protect that grain fill. Yeah. Uh, you know, being able to, pr- to protect that photosynthetic area on that leaf to be able to create the sugars that's going to feed the, feed the plant and ultimately end up in the grain. Um, so yeah, I, again, that's 
really understanding what you have kind of for a disease profile in the field is important. Now, obviously, when we look at our, our southern rust and so on, those are seasonal type of, of diseases where, you know, we don't know what, the, what it's going to look like uh, later in the season. But, you know, when you have a field where you have a history of fungal diseases, maybe it's a, a, a stalk rot or maybe seedling diseases, really matching, especially if you have seedling diseases, really matching that up to a high rate seed treatment. Um, you know, I've seen, in soybeans at least, I've seen situations where a seed treatment made the decision whether a guy was going to have to plant, replant or not. Right. Um, so really protecting that seedling with a seed treatment, especially if you're in a field that has a high disease load, um, again, understanding what you have for pathogens in that field is really critical. You know, we talked a little bit about the traits. Um, you know, it's it, today's day and age, people are trying to cut corners. Maybe I can cut out my rootworm trait and just go with a heavy rate of, uh, of insecticide to try to control rootworm. Those are all things that are going to catch, catch up to you eventually and are going to cut off that top end and it'll keep you from reaching 300 bushel. Yeah. And you mentioned taking that crop early, and that was the case in Polk. We took that out around 25% moisture, sold that as a high moisture corn. We had a feedlot right next to us. There is definitely something to that phantom yield mm -hmm. loss and the respiration of the corn kernel after maturity. Absolutely. absolutely. And again, you know, we talked about maybe you have that field where maybe you don't have the nitrogen quite where you need it. Well, if that plant has everything set up where it can reach 300 bushel, it's going to go find those sugars from somewhere, and that's going to come from the stalks. Right. So in the events that that happens, again, that's just another reason where if they, if if you're still out kicking your coverage, maybe you did fertilize for 300 bushel, and you're going to have 320 bushel corn instead. Well, that plant's going to go and get those sugars from the stalk. It's going to cannibalize. It's going to result in, in some stalk failure potentially. So again, if you can get it out early, early in, early out kind of a mindset, I think will definitely pay out on the long run. So Aaron, I think we covered it pretty well. You got any last minute advice for guys out there trying to chase yield and looking at maybe uh, trying to mimic something like this 318 bushels? Well, I think you got to crawl before you can walk here. You know, address the problems that you have in that field and then kind of build off of it. You know, if you've got pH that you've neglected for a while, fix that and work on building your base fertility. You know, after that, there's a lot of different decisions you can make. And I really just suggest work with your field sales agronomist in a case like this. You know, they understand your fields, number one, understand how you how you operate on those fields, as well as have a great idea of what type of products, you know, the specific hybrid, whatever it might be to, to help fill that complete picture for you. Yeah, it sounds like pretty sound advice. Every grower's got their own system and ditching your system to try to pick up what we used, that doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense. Have a good conversation, take the low-hanging fruit, work your way into something. You know, it's not really about raising 318 bushel corn, really. It's about being profitable with your farming operation. Generally, yields a big part of that, but you got to balance that yield out with what's profitable yeah. in your system and, and make it work together. Yeah, last thing I would say, too, is just have realistic expectations. You know, if you're a 250 bushel farmer and you think that I'm going to make all these changes and it's going to bump me up to 270 in the next year, you're probably going to be disappointed. So, you know, take baby steps. You know, it's, it's a few bushels at a time. Again, you talked about it earlier. You never know what Mother Nature is going to throw at you. Um, you know, maybe pick a year where the, it's just not in the cards. But I think just look at it as a process instead of an end goal, and you're just continuing to always kind of bump it up, a couple bushel here and there every year. Then you'll eventually get to where you want to be. Yeah. Like you said, Mother Nature is such a big part of it. I think the first time I got involved in this game, I was working with a guy who'd raised – 
huge yield, like 350 bushel. And the next year, I think we hit like 290. So I told them, well, that's one of the advantages of working with me is you can lose 60 bushel over the year before. So <laughs> Mother Nature has a huge tie in this thing. Well, anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for the time, Aaron, and the discussion. Hopefully our listeners found it informative and then took some away some things maybe to try in their own operation. With Aaron Sindelar, the sustainability lead here at Central Valley Ag, I'm Tim Mundorf, the director of soil management. You've been listening to Soil Talk. Thank you for joining us today on Soil Talk. If you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at ACS by CVA. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Central Valley Ag. With Soil Talk, this is Tim Mundorf and Keith Byerly.